This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. We are back for our last segment here on Real Presence Live. We're excited to visit with our good friend, Jason Adkins of the Minnesota Catholic Conference. Before we get into that discussion, you know, we were just talking off the air after our interview with Andreas. Mm-hmm. What an amazing experience, John, to be by the side of St. John Paul II. And you had a reflection that I want to share with our listeners. And what was that? <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. Oh, I'm just kidding. Just hanging out there. No, I, I found it kind of interesting that he, well, first of all, well, I found it interesting that he described his experience with him as an ongoing conversation. So it wasn't like they had an hour-long conversation, but every time that they did interact, it was like a continuation of the conversation. So maybe it was an hour long over the course of, you know, what, 30, 50, 60, you know, interactions. It was crazy. Yeah. The other thing I thought was kind of interesting about that is that he went in as a tough guy. You know, I'm just in the, in the army. I'm just want to be a guard. I mean, nothing that comes out, uh, you know, just a touched Catholic man. Yeah. Yeah, that, it's pretty cool. And, you know, I, I liked what he talked about when he talked about the man's eyes, St. John Paul II's mm-hmm. eyes, and how, and you read in, um, J- Jason Everett has a book called uh, The Five Loves of St. John Paul the Great, or St. John Paul II, anyway. And, um, he always talked about how when you visited with St. John Paul II, you were the most important person mm-hmm. in the room. And he never forgot anyone. He remembered everybody. Can you imagine that? That's what I was thinking. That, and certainly he probably sees him in the hallway or whatever, you know, just for the course of the Vatican. But that's a pretty big area. And he probably, he, he remembers everybody. That's, yeah. That's incredible. And you forget your own name. I do sometimes, yes. But... but between me and myself. <laughs> All right. Well, I just want to encourage you to check out that interview if you missed any of it with Andreas Widmer, who was a Swiss guard under St. John Paul II. Just so many great nuggets to think about and talk about. Lots of takeaways even from that. So, as I mentioned, though, we do have a conversation, continuing our conversation with Jason Adkins of the Minnesota Catholic Conference about Election Day. It's a really important day Tomorrow, as we talked about with Michael Pauley of the South Dakota Catholic Conference, now we're going to continue that and dive a little bit deeper into, you know, our role as Catholics. And one of the things we're going to talk about is an election statement that the Minnesota bishops put out that I really want us to take to heart. So, Jason, thanks so much for being on with us. Good morning. Great to be with you. You know, one of the things that's really interesting, there's a lot of interesting things, but one of the things that I think is interesting in this election statement is under the section of right relationships, and it talks about paraphrasing St. John Paul VI, or St. Paul VI, excuse me, if we want peace, we must work for justice. Now, justice, I find, is a trigger word in our culture today, and it means so many different things. Can you talk about, as we just begin off here, what does justice mean from a Catholic perspective? Because there's a lot of different groups out there that will talk about justice and not mean the same thing. That's exactly right. And just at a basic level, it means giving others what is their due. That's the the simplest way to think about it. Now, there are different types of justice. 
uh, distributive justice, legal justice, social justice, criminal justice. But really, when we talk about giving others what is their due, we're talking about establishing right relationships between people, uh, right relationships when it comes to our business exchanges, right relationships uh, when it comes to what we owe each other as a society, right relationships in terms of how we distribute the goods of the earth. So it's Justice is a beautiful term. It's the, it's the, the goal of politics is to establish just systems and a just, uh, just world. Um, if we want peace, if we want peace among persons, then we have to establish right relationships that is justice between them. You know, one of the things that I think is interesting is that people's versions of justice affects their decision-making and affects what they support, right? So you look at the overturning of Roe versus Wade. People think justice is by constitutionalizing abortion in at a state level or by having political candidates go out and stump for abortion rights. You know, where, where do we get that so confused, Jason? Well, one of the challenges of our culture is that we often use the same terms to mean very different things, and we talk past each other. So you'll hear pro-abortion advocates talk about reproductive justice, uh, for example, uh, which just means that, in their eyes, that, that the uh, woman should have uh, essentially um, full capacity and full reproductive freedom, as they say, to terminate a pregnancy at any stage and with as few restrictions as possible. That's what they mean by reproductive justice. That's why it's important that when we're talking about these things and using these terms, we're rooted in objective reality. Words don't simply mean what we want them to mean. They have an objective content to them. And at the, at the, at the deeper level, we need to get straight about what we're talking about, what is true, what is good, and what is beautiful. And that's how we properly define our terms based in reality, not based in some conception of the way we want things to be. When we think about the bishop's statement that they put out, which can be found at mncatholic.org, your guys' website of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, what are some of the biggest takeaways that our listeners need to know? Obviously, there's Minnesota issues, but when you look at the things that are on the ballot, even in South Dakota, like legalization of marijuana, there's a lot of things to consider So what are, your th what are your thoughts on that, Jason, as far as those biggest takeaways? Well, every state is unique and has some things that are right at the forefront. If you've been in, Min been in Minnesota the last few months, that our politics and our TV ads have been inundated with the abortion issue, for example. Yeah. And so um, in our election statement, um, when you, I think unique to our circumstances, but not totally unique, our bishops, in light of the, the state of abortion law in Minnesota, which currently is the most radical uh, anywhere, almost anywhere in the world outside of China and North Korea, which a lot of people don't know. So we wanted to educate people about the state of our uh, abortion law in Minnesota. We have our own state, Roe v. Wade. Um, where do we go from here now that uh, the, the Dobbs decision has returned uh, the abortion question to the states for political deliberation? Just because that is in our state constitution, the right to an abortion, it doesn't mean that that's irreversible. So what do we do as a state? What, how are our elected officials approaching this issue? How are our candidates approaching this issue? And our bishops asked Catholics to make this question of abortion most specifically through the lens of prenatal justice, and we can talk more about what that means, uh, but make abortion the focus and the preeminent consideration in their voting calculus. Yet we're, we're talking about legalizing uh, 
uh, marijuana here is recreational marijuana as well. There's a lot of important issues, crime, education, the COVID response, a rising cost of living. But this year in, in our state, given the radical nature of our abortion regime, um, our bishops have asked Minnesota Catholics to make it a preeminent issue in their voting calculus. Can't prenatal justice be tied to every other justice, whether it be commutative or distributive or criminal or any of that? It really ties to the fact that before we can start giving everybody what, you know, for the common good, they, they have to be born first. That's right. Pre- everything is connected, uh, as Pope Francis says in his encyclical Laudato Si, and, and that's certainly the case in society. So when we talk about prenatal justice, what we mean is establishing right relationships between the mother and the unborn child and her womb, between society and the unborn child, and between society and the mother and father of the unborn child. As life begins in the womb, so must justice. So you hit it right on the head. That being the case, um, if we want uh, more children uh, to avoid the being terminated in an abortion, uh, sometimes economic factors go into that decision. So having distributive justice, uh, enacting distributive justice and policies that promote that, that's important. So getting people access to housing, education, um, something that will make them more comfortable with bringing a child into the world so they can afford that child. So it is connected, but you're absolutely right. As life begins in the womb, as our bishops state in this statement, so must justice. And that's the importance of prenatal justice and thinking about that issue. And I don't think many people have heard about the abortion question in terms of prenatal justice, but I think it it helps us understand how everything is connected, how what we're doing is not trying to ban a medical procedure, but but we're trying to establish right relationships between people. And the right relationship between the society and the unborn child is to give that unborn child the protection of the law and welcome that child into life. You know, one of the things that is interesting when it comes to the voting is that when you hit people's pocketbooks, they remember that. Right, so anytime somebody's going to fill up gas, they remember that. When they're buying groceries, they remember that. They see that they're getting hit in the pocketbooks. One of the things that, especially in Minnesota, that maybe people don't think about is, you know, our taxes, if you're a Minnesotan, support abortion, support the reproductive care. And, you know, we might not see that. We see the tax, right, taken out of the paycheck, but we might not see what that is actually going towards. So can you talk about the importance of thinking about things like this as well? That's absolutely right. So in our in our case called Doe versus Gomez, which is like our state Roe v. Wade, um, our, our Supreme Court in 1995 said that there is not only a right to an abortion in the state constitution, uh, but there's also a right to a taxpayer-funded abortion if you could not afford one. So as a result, millions and millions of dollars over the years have been spent by Minnesota taxpayers on this question of abortion. There have been uh, attempts at legal cases to try to overturn that, uh, talk of uh, uh, reversing that in statute and hopefully bringing that up to the Supreme Court, Um, even talk of constitutional amendments. But that's exactly right, is that we have to understand the breadth and radical nature of our state's abortion laws, um, because it's even hitting us at the level of the pocketbook. Uh, So in a a time where people are really struggling, our tax dollars are even going to the destruction of unborn human life, and that's very tragic and very unfortunate. And one of the things we talked about with Michael Pauly was the importance of those local issues, right? Those local races that we're voting on, which can directly affect when we talk about statutes, right? That's the state legislature. You know, we can make a difference in voting for those who are going to stand up and defend life. It doesn't have to just be on that national level. 
That's right. So oftentimes our our focus is on what's going on in Washington, who is running for office, the big those big questions. But now that the uh, abortion question has been returned to the states for the political process, it's really, really important that we look to our local elected officials and leaders for action on this issue. And that's why these elections are important, because we evaluate candidates based on how they will be agents of justice or agents of injustice in certain instances. So it's really important that we put a high level of scrutiny to each candidate election. You can print off your ballot ahead of time. You can research the candidates. Uh, there's plenty of time to vote in Minnesota. We've started voting in late September. So it's important that everyone does their research and understands where the candidates stand on these issues and where the candidates are quiet on the question of abortion. Many are. It's important that we contact them and push them to do the right thing. Uh, they don't know uh, that it's important to people unless people reach out and talk to them. And that's another thing that the bishops call people to do in their statement is to talk to their candidates about this issue. Otherwise, uh, out of sight, out of mind, and it's because it's controversial. They're not inclined to talk about controversial things. Yeah, we have to step away for a break, but stay with us because when we return, we'll continue our conversation with Jason Adkins as we lead up to Election Day tomorrow. Don't go anywhere. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo Filippis of St. Luke Productions. Celebrating Sunday. Christians are Sunday people. What does that mean? Before we ask ourselves how we observe Sunday, we have to consider what we Christians actually celebrate on Sunday. The real and first reason for celebrating Sunday lies in the fact that on this day Christ rose from the dead. For the first time, someone returns from the dead and will not die again. But Jesus did not pass quickly into heaven. He did not simply shed time as one might shed a worn-out garment. On the contrary, he remains with us. The Feast of Sunday is therefore, above all, a profession of faith in the resurrection. Very early in the history of the church, Christians asked themselves, why did the Lord choose this day? According to Jewish reckoning, Sunday was the first day of the week. It was therefore the day on which God created the world. It was the day on which God ended his rest and spoke, let there be light. Sunday is the first day of the week, the day of creation. That means then that Sunday is also the day on which we give thanks for creation. Creation has been given us by God as our living space, as the scene of our labor and our leisure, in which we find both the necessities and the superfluities of life, the beauty of images and sounds, which we need precisely as much as we need food and clothing. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories, and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. 
Welcome back to Real Presence Live. We're continuing our conversation with Jason Adkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference. Jason, thanks for staying on with us over the break. This is a really uh, important conversation, so I'm glad that you've invited me on today. Thanks so much. Yeah, we're really glad to have this conversation because tomorrow is a huge day. And, you know, I think one of the things that's interesting is... You know, when you look at election years, right, some people might try to throw away these midterms as like, you know, there's nothing really big happening like a presidential election. But can you talk about the importance of midterms? You know, especially in Minnesota, there's a couple of really big races happening. Well, in Minnesota, our whole legislature is up uh, for election this year. All 201 uh, legislators, our state house, our state senate, our those who get elected to our state senate will be in office for four years. Uh, we're electing a new governor, or well, we're electing. There's a governor race. Governor Walls is up for re-election, uh, being challenged by Scott Jensen. So, yeah, in terms of our state and uh, the the direction our state takes, this this election, while perhaps not involving a presidential uh, race, is very very important to our state's future. Now, we're always told that this is the most important election of our lifetime, and we're <laughs> even people are even talking about that this year. You know. Uh, Elections are important because we have a system of representative government, and they're the ones who make our laws. Um, and so it's important that we elect good people, wise and virtuous people, uh, to lead us. Now, we're not always given a choice between wise and virtuous people. Sometimes it's not great and even less great. Um, but still, even when once we cast our ballot, the, the work begins. It's not like it's a once in a once every couple year thing that we vote and then we wash our hands of the process. Even people who get elected with whom we didn't vote uh, or for whom we didn't vote, they need our perspective and they need to hear from us about important issues. So what happens tomorrow is important, but the work uh, of faithful citizenship, that's going to continue because our elected officials need to hear from us and what we value and what serves justice and the common good. And that's, that's what Catholics can bring into that public square is that perspective about the dignity of the human person, justice, and the common good, because you're not often hearing those perspectives today. Um, the, the public has the perception that politics is about policy, and, and, it, and it is from the standpoint of the public. The public just wants good laws enacted uh, that, that ease their pocketbook, that uh, protect human dignity, um, common sense. We talk about common sense legislation. Why can't we have this common sense legislation? Well, it's because politicians think less in terms of policy, and they think more in terms of interest and interest groups. Um, and so unless you're an organized interest group, it's much harder to gain traction in the political arena. So Catholics have a big, big part of the population. So it's really important that we take that time to exercise our role as faithful citizens, and even after tomorrow, communicate with our elected officials. Since Roe v. Wade was overturned, and it, it centralized things to the states, in the political scene in Minnesota, did you see uh, an uptick or an amp up on that particular issue, or was that something that was um, that's just kind of... Uh, my point here is, is that you know there are some Minnesota politicians that are actually really focusing on that as an issue, but this is a consequential election statewide. Are we seeing it on a, on a more granular basis? Oh, there's some politicians and candidates who think that um, campaigning against the Dobbs decision and in favor of more abortion access is going to help them win elections. And so in Minnesota, the, the abortion issue has, has sucked a lot of oxygen out of the political conversation uh, this summer and fall. Um, it might have provided a, a bump for some politicians early on in the summer, 
but I think um, to the extent that a candidate uh, put all of his or her resources on the abortion question, uh, that candidate might be in trouble tomorrow, but we'll, we'll see. But it absolutely was the case that here, despite the fact that um, the right to an abortion isn't probably going to go away anytime soon because of our state Supreme Court decision called Dovey Gomez that we talked about earlier, uh, people are still running on it as though uh, the right to an abortion is somehow under threat. And, uh, and I think that's the importance of the bishop statement in Minnesota, is that uh, we need to continue this conversation and we need to turn that tide. And it's important for Catholics to roll up their sleeves and really be invested and engaged in that conversation and not have all the voices be those actors who believe that uh, abortion is a good thing that serves the well-being of women or the broader well-being of society. Can you talk about the importance of a single vote, Jason? You know, when we look at the election, somebody might think, well, what does my vote really matter? You know, what is it really going to mean? One vote, you know, it's not going to change anything. Can you just talk about the importance of voting? Yes, even if you're just one person, you know, you're making a stand with your vote. That's right. And I think even though sometimes we don't like all the candidates on the list, there's still a number of other races, even if we choose to abstain in one race, for example, because we don't like the candidates, we can still find uh, good people uh, to vote for up and down that ballot. There's a lot of issues and a lot of elections on each ballot, especially in those even-year election cycles. But I've seen many, not I shouldn't say many, but I've seen a few races decided by one vote um, or Oftentimes, in every legislative cycle, uh, legislative elective cycle, there are recounts, there are elections that are decided by 10 votes, 8 votes. You hear this regularly. There was one famous story about uh, a candidate who lost by 5 votes, and it, and it was revealed that his campaign staff of 7 people didn't bother voting that day because they were so busy trying to turn other people out to vote. So one vote can make a difference, and we should absolutely uh, take the time to do it because... Uh, um, the, the consequences of not doing it, and then, you know, uh, especially this year, our Minnesota Senate is, is going to be most likely a one- or two-seat majority for whatever party wins, and um, those races are going to be really, really close. So a few votes in a few key areas are going to tip the Minnesota Senate this year, for example, and I think uh, that could say a lot about the direction this takes, state takes on a number of policy matters in the next four years. So one vote can and does make a difference, and we should just take those few minutes to get to our polling places, or even early voting, and some of our libraries have early voting already today. Um, you can do that. So, and you can show up to vote even if you're not registered. Uh, all you need is a picture ID or a driver's license or a proof of re- residence somewhere. So, it's really easy to do, and it does make a difference, and I've seen elections decided by uh, very few votes in the past. Yeah, especially for those local level races. You know, those are the ones where you know, you might only get a few thousand votes depending on how big your district is. You know, everything counts there. You know, as we wrap up here, we've got about a minute left, Jason. Where can people find this statement we've been talking about from the bishops? And what would you say to encourage people to make sure to get out and vote? Yeah, mncatholic.org. It's a great uh, source of election resources. But again, the the work doesn't stop tomorrow. In fact, it starts. It's a, it's a new beginning, and it's time for us to... Uh, do the work of faithful citizenship. MNCatholic.org and the Catholic Advocacy Network are great resources for people to continue that work of faithful citizenship and fostering prenatal justice. So even if you don't get a chance to look at the bishop's statement before the election day tomorrow, I'd really uh, recommend printing that out and reflecting on that, because it's really a blueprint for a good public policy platform that any Catholic 
can speak to his or her legislator about. So uh, really, again, mncatholic.org, we've got a full slate of election resources and educational resources, but remember to vote, and uh, then the work begins that next day uh, on November 9th of uh, enacting good policies. Jason, thanks for taking the time to come on this morning with us and talk about this important issue. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much. God bless your day. You too. All right, John, we're at the end of the show, if you can believe it, but there is another Real Presence Live coming up tomorrow, so let's turn it over and see what's coming up then. On the next Real Presence Live, Tuesday, from 9 to 11 a.m. Central, Heather Caro is your host, coming to you live from the Mustard Seed in Sioux Falls. She will be talking to Jenna Blake and Father Tom Hartman about supporting single parents, and Terry Kemmer will be sharing about spiritual direction, what it is, and if it's something that you should look into. All this and much more is coming on the next Your Presence Live, Tuesday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you. Thanks so much. All right, uh, we've got a couple minutes left, and we like to close our show with takeaways. Looks like you're writing a, a manifesto over there, how you're going to change your yeah. life. So uh, <laughs> what's your biggest takeaway? I will tell you, the two takeaways. Number one is stating the obvious that we have an obligation to vote. But I took away from our two conversations about voting is that we have an obligation to vote even so far as down to the Catholic, uh, you know, the catechism. But we don't have an obligation to vote passively. We have to have some base of knowledge on who and what. And, I, you know, I want to, the, the, in our earlier interview, and it's like it's Google pro-life. To me, it's, that's where you start. Prenatal justice, and then go from there. And everything else relates to that. So that's kind of what I'm taking away. <clears throat> and the other thing would be um, just to, to reflect on, then I'm going to go back and listen to that interview um, with Andreas, uh, mm. Swiss Guard. Just to, just to hear a guy who is, you know, he's, he's just a tough guy. And he just joined the Guard because he wanted to be a missionary. And he comes out um, just a devout Catholic. It just That's amazing. That, that, that saint is just amazing. So that's what I've got. That's great. Yeah, my biggest takeaway, I think, was our from our conversation with Andreas and just talking about the eyes of St. John Paul II as he visited with you and how he just radiated with holiness, right? Mm -hmm. Andreas wanted to be like him and St. John Paul II is like, no, you want to be Christ, you know, and let me introduce you. And, and yeah, so similar to what you're saying, just presence yeah. and a person's presence imagine imagine getting taught the rosary by saint john paul ii yeah <laughs> that'd be great but even just recognizing like in our day-to-day -day lives trying to live out heroic virtue you know and just recognizing that that presence our very presence could help right. lead others to christ so mm -hmm. that's my biggest takeaway thanks for staying with us and for tuning in for real presence live more to life is up next and tune again tomorrow morning for real presence live from 9 to 11 central this has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.